Damian Lillard win the three-point contest and the All-Star Game MVP. How would you describe just his confidence right now in a Bucks uniform? He's hooping. <laughs> He's just hooping. This is where Wisconsin gathers to talk sports. Packers, Brewers, Badgers, Bucks. The Wisco Sports Show is on the air. Now, here's your host, Grant Bills. Welcome in, everyone. As Bill would say at 11 o'clock, welcome in to everyone across the network. Welcome in if you caught the end of Brewers Cubs. This is mostly a bust of a game. Spring training, the games don't really have to be good. It's more the novelty of baseball just being on. I can't wait for the real thing. I can't wait to get mad about games that actually matter instead of getting mad at games that don't matter. I got mad today. It's like, why is Yelich? Why are we paying him all this money if he can't play in a spring training game? Is he dodging the Cubs? I, I, I can't see why not. Why is he not out there today? Is he hurt? Brewers beat. Come on, Rosiak. Get on it. Press Pat Murphy. Enough of Pat Murphy calling Rudy in meetings. Let's get the latest on Christian Yelich and his injury status. Why is the why is the man not playing? Get it together. Anyways, Brewers Cubs. It's nice to have baseball on the radio. Great to be on TV as well as on Bally Sports. So could see it while I was listening along here in the WOZN studio in Madison. But now we can uh, get down to the things that really matter, like yelling about Greg Gard, talking about the combine and taking calls that uh, certainly won't get the show off the, the railroad tracks. This is the Wisco Sports Show. My name is Grant Bills. Twitter, at Wisco Grant. I'll start taking calls here in about five minutes. 608-321-1670. So if you're on hold, hang out. I, I promise I'll get to you. Badgers lost last night. I think it's the worst loss of the season. It's bizarre with the fire alarm going off. It was communicated very poorly in the arena. It was, it was communicated poorly by Peacock. They're, they're all on TV like, well, there is severe weather in the area tonight, which like wasn't true. There, it was perfectly fine outside. But even if there was severe weather in the area, why would they send people outside? I'm watching at home. I, like My mouth is just wide open. My jaw's on the floor watching this on TV. It's like, what is happening? And like credit to the folks in the studio with NBC and Peacock. Like It's not baseball where you need to be ready for a rain delay at any moment in time. <laughs> It's a college basketball game. Why would they ever pause? Why? Like they threw it back to studio programming and I don't think they were ready or there was this long still shot on Peacock of assembly hall. And I like, I I think they were all rushing back to the table in the studio. Like what the hell's going on? Um, A really weird situation. If all it takes to empty out an entire college basketball arena is to pull the fire alarm. I'm amazed it took until 2024 for it to happen. At least in a game that I've been watching. You kidding me with a bunch of drunk, dumb college kids? No one's ever pulled a fire alarm before? Really weird situation last night. Anyways, when the fire alarm was pulled, the Badgers had fought back. They tied it up. What was it, like 54-54, something like that. The Badgers showed up sluggish, didn't really seem ready to go. That's an indictment on coaching, in my opinion. Got to have your guys ready to play. It's like the oldest cliche in the book when it comes to talking about coaches, but I think it's, for the most part, true. Get down to crunch time, and as Vagabond John said when he called in earlier, they don't run plays. Once you get within, like, five minutes left, they go into run-the-clock mode, run-the-clock and jack three-point shots. You can't have it. They took a timeout, a tie game. I think there was, like, a minute 30 left. It was somewhere between a minute and two minutes that were left. Badgers took a timeout there on offense. And I'm like, oh, God, here we go. They're drawing up a play. I, I would almost rather they just come down the court blindfolded and wing it. Because when they draw up a play, possession always ends in a Chucky Hepburn step back three. Right? 
So the final possession or two, it doesn't go their way. They're down two. Indiana's inbounding the ball. And I believe there were, what, 35 seconds left? So you don't have to foul if you don't want to. But if you give up a bucket, then there's only five seconds left. And you're kind of hosed down two possessions. So the Badgers don't foul right away, which is fine. They let 10 seconds run off the clock. And then they end up fouling the best free throw shooter on the floor. That's a lack of situational awareness. That's a lack of communication. That's a lack of direction. That, again, is on coaching. You go big picture. Again, this has happened more than once the last couple of years. The Badgers start the season looking awesome. Players have shown a little bit of development. The transfers look awesome. The freshmen look awesome. The team is deeper. The team is better. They're they're beating teams like Marquette. They're they're winning uh, preseason or early season tournaments. They're succeeding early on in conference play in the months of December and January. Oh, great. This is a team that could actually do something in March. This is a team where we could, you know, dream of a ceiling higher than a Sweet 16 berth. And then February hits and they crash and burn. And even the best teams, yes, will have a poor stretch of games. But now for the second or third time in recent memory, the Badgers have fallen apart in February and it doesn't seem like they're able to pick up the pieces and get the train back on the track. That is is on coaching. Greg Gard deserves a lot of heat right now. I'm not saying that he should be canned after the season. I'm not saying that he's coaching for his job or that he's got to make a run in the tournament to keep his job. He is not good enough right now. I actually think this team is pretty darn good. I don't think they're a top 10 team in the country, talent-wise, but they have a great mix of experience, size, you got really good defense, at least in the backcourt. You got a freshman who's contributing, uh, a transfer who's come in and is contributing. I, like, there's a lot of reasons to like this team, and it's not amounting in wins. And look, Greg Gard, he, he referenced the the fire alarm last night. Where's this clip? I want to play it. Greg Gard saying that you're like, yeah, it really stopped our momentum. This is Greg Gard last night. I, I would listen to this excuse. Well, actually, I, I well, well, first of all, let's just listen to Greg Gard. Here he is after the game fire alarm stoppage. Have you encountered anything like that before? Just what were you being told in those moments and how do you handle that with the team? Um, I thought it was a great timeout. I remember from Indiana pulled the fire alarm for them. We were making a run. Um, so, no, I mean, we had a little time in the, in the locker room. Uh, not as much as what they originally had told us. And then you get, you know, five minutes to go warm back up and go play. So it was kind of like having two half times. It was a timeout. And it was. Wisconsin was on a run. Okay, fine. Throw this game out. Okay. All right. If you you want to say that the fire alarm screwed up your team, I I don't agree, but fine. I'll accept it. This game is excused. Set it to the side. Now, what about Michigan? What about Rutgers? What about Iowa? What about all the other games? Again, I, I, as a sports, I'm reasonable. I'm rational. Okay. I might be a sports talk radio host. We might get a little wacky and zany. We might lose our mind with hot takes and overreactions and, and, and for the sake of being entertaining. Guilty. Okay. That is part of the job. So I understand that sometimes I'm a little nuts. But in this instance, I'm telling you, I'm rational. I'm reasonable. I understand my team can't win every single game. And I understand it's difficult to go on the Big Ten on the, in the road or on the road in the Big Ten and win. I, I get it. You're not going to win every game. So occasionally I'll be like, yep, yeah, not much you can do. Shucks, ball didn't bounce your way, a little bad luck, shots didn't fall. Uh, Totally. I will excuse games here and there, but you can't excuse Michigan and Rutgers and Iowa and Indiana. You got to win some of these games. You can't win them all. I am well aware. You got to win some. It was the same thing with the Bucs. 
when they were playing really poorly in the first half of the year and they didn't really look like they were dialed in. It's like, well, they're second night of a back-to-back and, and this night Brooke Lopez didn't play and, and this night the other team just made a lot of shots. Okay, okay, but you have to win some of the games. I can excuse a loss here and there. I can't excuse all of the... If you're losing all the games, you can't make excuses every night. Seems like every other day, it's like the Badgers are losing a game. It's like, I can't excuse all of these. At some point, the Bucks got to stop with the coach. Your team's in free fall and you don't have an answer. And this isn't the first time that this happened like this. It's really, really frustrating. And Greg Gard deserves to hear about it. 608-321-1670. Wisco Sports Show. Let's take some calls. Who's this? Grant. Cone. Disappointing loss last night. I was crushed. Yeah, it kind of it kind of felt like with that loss last night, we need to accept that this team isn't going to return to the form we saw earlier in the year. You know what I mean? Like last night's loss felt like a ceiling lowering loss. Yeah, I agree. And kind of, you know, there's a lot of symbolism between, you know, last night's game with the, there was actually a fire in assembly hall in one of the elevator shafts. Yeah. And that's kind of how this season's going. You know, we're going down into the pits of, of flames. It's I don't know what's happening. Um, I, there are a lot of bad takes out there today about Greg Gard and Chris McIntosh, especially like, oh, is he going to make a change? Yeah. Well, he extended Greg Gard after last year's NIT run. So it, it, the ceiling couldn't get much lower then, and he still extended <laughs> Greg Gard. So, like, look, you know I'm a big Greg Gard guy. I know you're a big Greg Gard guy. You're an alum. You're a big-time booster. You love this program, okay? I'm not saying he should be fired. I don't I don't know. I don't know enough about I – don't, I don't know. I'm not, I'm, not, I'm not jumping in that conversation. But he deserves a lot of blame right now. He deserves to hear about this because this isn't the first time it's happened, Cone. I mean, in the last couple of years, this has happened more than once where the team looks great and they're playing really well and they got a lot of juice and the team's starting to feel special – And then they hit a couple of road bumps and they just go down in flames and they never recover. And the season ends with a whimper. He's got no answers to stop this free fall that this team is in. That doesn't mean he deserves to lose his job, but he's not doing a good enough job. Head coach Greg Gard right now. I agree. I agree. And that's, that's saying a lot coming from me because I would literally take a bullet for Greg Gard. Yeah. But yeah, the last two (laughs) years, really inexcusable down the stretch. And usually like the first couple years of Greg Gard's tenure, like, he was getting this team to play their best ball towards the end of the season. Mm-hmm. That that year where the NCAA tournament got canceled, I mean, that team was cooking yeah. in February and March. So to see this performance in the latter of the season the last two years, just it's like you. I don't even know what's going on with this team. Like, what is it? I don't. There's just no answers. They just suck. This team is. Tell me if I'm wrong. Tell me if you disagree, Cone. This team's pretty good. Like, I like the pieces. Steven Crowell's not my favorite center in the world, but it's not like they don't have a massive body to throw at some of these other centers. I've been really impressed with Tyler Wall the last couple of weeks. I, I said last year all the time, he needs to grow up. He needs to stabilize in big games, and he needs to make his free throws. I think he's done both. I've been impressed with Chucky. He was willing to attack last night. Klesmit maybe hasn't been the the like the white-hot scoring terror that he was earlier on the year, but Blackwell's getting better. Like, I love a lot of the pieces on this team. A.J. Storr, obviously, the, the fit's been a little clunky, and he's had some bad shooting nights, but, like, I think this team's much more talented than their record would indicate the last couple weeks. Way more talented. And, again, that's on coaching. Yeah, I agree. I agree. I think this is probably our best talent team. And, you know, they're not terrible. They're not good. They're going to be a, you know, maybe a six, seven, eight seed at this point, but... I still have some hope that, you know, they can turn it around. 
maybe that's foolish. You know, maybe the Big Ten tournament kind of acts as a get-right week or weekend. We'll see. But, man, it's just it's mind-boggling. Like, what is going on? Like you said, these players are good. They have, like, the pieces that fit together. And, like, team chemistry cannot be an issue. No. These players have played with each other for 100 games. Like, yeah, man, I just, it's just head scratching and it has to be coaching. It really does. It's really, it's, it's frustrating. Like I've watched teams lose some of our teams, the Bucks or the Packers, and I'm sad or I'm bummed. This team frustrates me right now because I I like the pieces, the, the sum of all of the pieces put together. We should be getting a, a better collection when you add all these pieces together. Like the, the, what's the, the sum of the parts, the synergy thing. I don't know if you're a LinkedIn like business person, you know what I'm trying to get at, but that's not coaching. I don't think he's getting the most out of maybe one of the more talented rosters that he's had. I talent acquisition has been a problem. He's got a really good recruiting class coming in. John Blackwell and AJ store have been awesome this year. I just, it's not, showing up on the court the way that it should be. Cone, I got to get to some other callers, but I appreciate you, friend. Yeah, thanks, Grant. And Greg Gard, he needs how to win on the road and get his team to show up. Thanks, Grant. Go Badgers. Right. Cone Roller, appreciate you, Cone. I always love your contributions when we're talking Badgers basketball. We don't have to continue to talk Badgers basketball. That's the big story of the day. The Bucks win was great. The Brewers played. We can talk about the Combine, and we can get into all those things, but seeing how the show kind of a little wonky with the Brewers taking a little bit off the front end of the show, I wanted to start at 5 o'clock. The big news of the day is the Badgers with their worst loss of the season last night. Awful loss and really, really damning for Greg Garden and the rest of the coaches on these staff because they're, they're not good enough right now. 608-321-1670, Wisco Sports Show. Who's this? Hey, it's Uncle Packer. How are you doing? I'm doing good, Uncle Packer. Welcome. How are you tonight? I'm so good. Everything's great. Good. You know, I think that this Greg Gard gauge is going to change, though, if they win Saturday, if they beat number 14, Illinois. I mean, we'll all be talking about how good they are again. It's just like it goes back and forth. That could happen. I'm I'm past the point now where I'm hoping or expecting it to happen. Like, I expected them to get right against Rutgers and get right against Iowa and get right last night to some degree, to a lesser degree against Indiana. I'm, I'm, I'm to the point now where I'm not expecting them to get the train back on the tracks. Yeah, but if they get right, I think sometimes, like, it's almost like the NBA regular season. It's not so important what we do here. It's If we get into the big tournament, we go to the dance, and we go to the Sweet 16 of the Elite Eight. I mean, we're going to be talking about how great guard is and how, you know, he's filled in for Bo. And we're going to be all about his, you know, his fandom. I mean, we'll be just so excited. It's just, we just got to get there. And it's a ways down the line, but, you know, I'm optimistic. All right. Well, I'm glad that you still, I'm glad that you're holding on to that a little bit because that could happen. They get a nice win against Illinois on Saturday and maybe they get a pretty, they go on a run in the conference tournament. They could, they absolutely could. I'm past the point of, of saying they should, or they will, or they might, I'm, I'm just going to sit back and if they do it great, but uh, we've had so much evidence yeah. over the last month that they are just not that good of a team. I don't know. I, sometimes they gel so well. There's times they look so good, too, you know. Mm-hmm. They looked pretty good last night, but they just didn't pull it off in the end. If they would have just pulled that off, they'd, you're right. It was coaching at the end of that game. It was it was kind of ridiculous. They they followed that guy. There were so many other things they could have done. But can I can I make a bowl prediction? Please. A Mike bowl prediction here? Please. I want to I wanna say that I truly believe, and I've already put a bet on it, that the – Milwaukee Bucks are going to win the NBA championship this year. It's a feel-good story. The doc is back in Milwaukee where he went to college. He's got the team that he's going to take. Giannis, these guys, Dame, Dame time. It's just good. And they've been playing so well. They've been playing so good. 
And I really don't know, besides Boston, who could get in their way. And I really think we could take Boston in a seven-game series. Am I way off? No, no, absolutely. I don't think you're way off. I, I, I never like to expect, like, I, I never like to say the team has to make the finals or they have to win a title. I, I think if you're in the conference finals and you're in a, a great series with Boston or Miami or whoever, like if that team, considering where we were a month or two ago, could end up in a spot at least very close to the finals, I, I think season number one with Dame is a success. Uh, and I don't think things are going to fall apart in the off season. I, I'm with you. All the pieces are right there, man. Like, if the Bucks go into a playoff series against the Celtics, let me ask you this, Uncle Packer: Who's who's the best player in that series? Yeah, i I hope it. I hope it be. I hope it be honest. Mm-hmm. But that uh, that uh, Tatum Tatum is he's pretty unstoppable at times, especially in the playoffs. At times, yeah, I, I'd hope it be honest. I think it would be um, honest. My point is, like, and then if you asked who the second best player was, you could make the argument it's Dame. You can make the argument it's Tatum, too, but it's very close. Like, the Bucks are going to be in a situation in just about every matchup in the East that they have where they have the first and second best player. Just about. And that's yeah, a really important yeah. thing in the NBA. I'm, yeah, and then and they both got their nights, too. You know, it's, it's going to be raucous. It's going to be fun to watch. Um, I really like the way we've kind of been quiet, we've been back, they're worried about us getting together, playing as a team, we've come out of the all-star break, and we're looking pretty smoking hot. Mm-hmm. And I think it's just feel-good stories. I think we've got a lot of feel-good stories. Dame's first year, like I said, like I said with uh, Doc Rivers being back, a lot of people are big Doc Rivers fans. He's been a class act. I think he's been a good man his whole career. I've never watched him play. You know, I, I think that a lot of people are, are big fans of Doc Rivers, including me. Hey, um, interesting. Back, I, you haven't mentioned anything about the Packers, but did you hear the Packers signed uh, Preston Smith? Yeah, Preston so Smith I, I mentioned that in the last hour, but I know the the Brewers I game was kind of blocking us out to a lot of listeners. They restructured Preston Smith's contract to push some money out to get some cap space now, and he's going to return. I, Preston Smith is one of the more underrated members of the team the last couple of years. Knock on wood, as I say this, he's always been available. I think he's a great presence yeah. in the locker room. And it's just nice yeah. to have rotational edge rushers. You know what I mean, Uncle Packer? Like, he doesn't need to play every snap and be amazing. You want a nice, deep position group. And I, I can't imagine why you wouldn't want Preston Smith as a part of your, your rotation of edge rushers. I agree so wholeheartedly. He's a little older, but he's got all the technique. And he's got all the tactics. And he's going to get home. And he knows when to play. I think I'm really excited they brought him back. I, I really like what they're doing. I really like what they're doing. I'm so excited about this year. I mean, I don't want to wish summer away, but man, I'm so excited about football. It's just like it, this is like too good to be true. And I, I really like. I'm I'm happy. I was thinking they might not do this, but he's such a class man too. You know, you never hear about mm-hmm. Preston having any problems anywhere. He's the the rookies love him. People love him. He's and we. We've got some good edge rushers, and, you know, we've got a lot of people we can take in the draft. It's, it's going to be great. And let's get into the year. draft. Let's get excited about this offseason. It's, it's been a while since I've been really amped for a Packers offseason. Normally, we've been licking our wounds from a really painful NFC Championship game loss. Uncle Packer, i got to run, get a break in. Yep. Amazing to chat. Nice to hear your voice, friend. Nice to hear yours, too. Thank you very much. Have a great day. See you next week. Yeah, I'll talk soon. Uncle Packer, that's Mike up in Eau Claire, listening on WAYY. Sports Talk 105.1. Let's take a three-minute break. Wisco Sports Show continues after this. This is the Wisco Sports Show with Grant Bills on the Wisconsin Sports Zone Radio Network. Hey, 
Mike Grant. It's Clemhead Mike. Clemhead Mike, sounding a little bit better every day. Yeah, I'm, yeah. What's killing me is just the constant coughing. I got my ribs feel like I got beat up by uh, by a big giant offensive lineman. I <laughs> was about to say the thing that's really killing me is calling all these sports radio shows and not giving my. My voice a chance to recover, but I'm glad it's just a cough. No, I'm glad I'm glad it's got us on my fault. I uh, <laughs> no, I uh, I, I wasn't going to call today because my voice, but I I heard how how absolutely sad uh, Colin Roller was when you when he answered the phone. You know when you he just sounded devastated, and I just wanted to just let him know that don't feel too bad. I mean, it's not the worst. It's like remember Stuart Smalley on Saturday Night Live. I don't, but continue. Oh, okay. Grant or uh, Cone, you're you're good enough. You're you're handsome. You're smart, oh, and people God. really like you. So, just uh, <laughs> don't feel too bad about it. <laughs> yeah, Cone was dejected. That was a that last was oh. that was a bummer, and it was very very frustrating because a lot of these losses I, seem so preventable. I heard, I heard his voice. He was just devastated. I'm good at you know detecting that. And I said, "Oh my God, he sounds like he's just really sad." I said, "Buck up, there, kiddo. It'll get better." Yeah. Um, yeah and then I, I went, then I, I also had to call because I heard Uncle Mike Backer. Um, do you know? You, I know you, Bill, talked about his day when I posted on the, the live stream about uh, Aaron Rodgers being just a ferry ride away from um, Fire Island, and Bill almost read the whole thing. He said, ah, ah, "I'm not reading the rest of that," and you two started laughing about it. <laughs> Well, I didn't know that was your comment. Yeah, we you know we talk about Aaron Rodgers yeah. a lot. You know, we don't need to necessarily get into almost, that part of his life. Yeah, almost almost got it through. <laughs> but uh, yeah, I I think uh, yeah the Badgers are probably through. And I, I I said all along though, as far as like the Bucks, for example, I knew they got the most grown up, you know, the grown up grown up guy in the NBA. Uh, Giannis, I. I I thought all along they'd probably be okay, and I think they're straightening things out. They've got a few things together. They probably had some time to, you know, play together in a new system. I, I think they'll be just fine. I, I really do. I think they're they're going to go places this year, and I think we just need to uh, just relax, let it play out. And uh, nice thing about the NBA versus college is you don't have a one and one and done situation in playoffs. You got you know five five and seven game series, so you can, you know, work it out if something's not right. So I think they'll be just fine. I think they will uh, be too. I I think because of the coaching change, because of the loss of Terry Stotts, and because all these things, like, it it really, in the progression of this team, it's like December right now, right? Because they were behind the eight ball, and then they were put farther behind the eight ball, and and Damon Giannis are just, I think, really still starting to figure out how to learn to play together, and this team's now finally understanding how that they can defend you know, with their personnel. They don't have Drew anymore, but they still got a couple really good defensive players, and their team defense has gotten so, so, so much better under Doc. Yeah, then they say that, uh, maybe it was on Bill's show today, that um, they've had more, keeping teams under 100 more times since uh, in the last, since the All-Star break, than they yeah. did all all season, I mean, yeah. up till the rank. It's like, no, that's, it's actually kind of an amazing stat when you think about it. Um, yeah, I just want to say, it's not doom and gloom, people. Well, it's, it'll get better. You know, I like to tell people it's just sports. Um, yeah, the year after ninety six when the Packers won the Super Bowl, how exciting it was! I, I had to get up and go to work the next morning. And then the next year they lost the Super Bowl. I had to get up and go to work the next morning. Um, my life didn't change dr- drastically. I, I don't want people to get really too bummed out about it. You know, let's it's, uh, keep our priorities straight.
I appreciate that, Clemhead. You feel better. Your priority is healing. Go rest your voice, and, and we'll talk again soon. You sound a little bit better every day. Okay, thanks, Grant. Talk to you later. Yeah, have a good one. Clemhead Mike up in Chippewa Falls. I love how he was like, I, I made a comment on Bill's live stream, but it he stopped. He didn't want it on air, and then he made the <laughs> made the comment on air. Uh, um, about the Bucks, I wanted to share this. We got one more call, and then we'll take our break. I wanted to share this. This is from Ben Thompson, who does Stratechery, and he's also a big Bucks fan online. And if you listen to Bill Simmons' pod, he's you know a Bucks fan or or a Bucks guy, a voice that's been on there a couple of times. He tweeted this last night. This is just such a great point. The Bucks are half court killers. The power of Giannis and Dame isn't winning 150 to 140. It's grinding you down and out, executing you when the game slows down to win 100 to 90. It might have not been a good idea to crash the offensive boards and play high-pressure defense with this group. Uh, no kidding. Yeah. Again, and, and Adrian Griffin, I think, was brought in and hired with the idea that he had this, you know, this defensive scheme that he was totally going to implement with Drew Holiday, and then Drew was traded, and I think he still wanted to run a lot of the same principles. It's like, man, you don't have the perimeter defenders. You don't have the guys. You don't have the horses to run this. It doesn't make any sense. So the way that this team can slow things down and execute in the half court and 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 get crunch time buckets against stationary locked-in defense, that was the idea behind the trade. That's why they made the Dame trade. So really now in late February, for the first time since this trade is consummated, I think we're really starting to see the vision of John Horst and the idea of this pairing in the first place. It only took... October, November, December, January, two head coaches, three if you count Joe Prunty. Man, they made, they made this season way harder than it needed to be, but I'm with Clemhead and I'm with Uncle Packer in that I still think they got a lot of really, really good basketball in front of them. I think they're just getting started. 608-321-1670. Let's take our final five-minute break of the show. We'll come back. I want to talk about some combine storylines. Let's talk NFL next. This is the Wisco Sports Show with Grant Bills on the Wisconsin Sports Zone Radio Network. Wisco Sports Show, appreciate you being here listening, contributing, calling, tweeting. Some really good Badgers basketball calls. I figured Cone Roller would bring his A game. Cone Roller is outstanding caller. Appreciate that guy. Badger basketball is uh, is his wheelhouse. Vagabond John does great work. Uncle Packer, nice to hear from Uncle Packer. Badgers basketball as well. We'll talk more about that tomorrow. Uh, we can talk about the Brewers more tomorrow, although we might... Hmm... We might we might hear a little bit from Pat Murphy before the end of the show. Maybe just a maybe just a tiny little bit. Just a bit. Not too much. Todd Rosiak posted some audio. It was really, really good after the game. So I want to play that for you maybe as we wrap up the show. Uh I, I wanted to play you this audio that it's not coming from the combine, but it's one of the stories kind of surrounding the combine this week. And it's Nicole Hardman, of all people. So remember, McCole Hardman started the season on the Jets. I don't remember if he was he was some type of free agent. He was he wasn't acquired via trade. He was some type of free agent. I don't remember what the contract situation was. And then he got cut. And he went to join the Chiefs, and he ends up catching the Super Bowl winning touchdown of all the, because of course 
right? So he goes on Ryan Clark's podcast. I believe it's called The Pivot. And kind of talked about some things that went wrong with the Jets. And I want to use this audio to kind of lead us into a bigger conversation. But here's a minute and a half of Michael Hardman talking about all the things that the Jets do really, really poorly. What went wrong with the Jets? They trade you. What went wrong there? Y'all treat certain guys that shouldn't be treated like they should be treated. And I just feel like it's not an established coaching staff there as well. Like, you just got a new coaching staff that came in. There's no standard there. It's like everybody do what they want to do. And defense have a more of a stabilized standard with that with the coaching staff on that side. So you could tell the defense got a standard, but the offense is just like, all right, we'll just figure it out. It's Aaron show. Mm-hmm. Let Aaron do what Aaron do, you know what I mean? But then when Aaron go down, it's like, we don't know what to do. But this is that same coach staff that just was out of a job the previous year and average get a new job. I know for a fact I'm better than him for sure. Mm-hmm. Like I ain't trying to, you know where I know I'm better than him, I'm better than him too. Garrett Wilson the only person y'all should just be like, hey, so I have no problem with y'all putting it around Garrett Wilson for sure. I don't, I don't care. Like, that's fine. But when you come to certain other things, like, come on, like, I don't understand why I'm not in a rotation with that. And y'all never gave me a reason as to why either. This, this is my thing was. Y'all can't tell me about winning. I've been to four Super right. Bowls in five years. You know what I'm saying? Now, you feel me? But beforehand, I've I've been to four AFC championships. I've been to three Super Bowls. I've won two of them. Like, I know what winning looks like. Right. I know what winning is. So y'all keep telling me certain things. It's like, I'm not going for that. Like, because y'all not doing it right. Like, we got hammers on the ground. We don't got no discipline. People feel like it's too many individual egos in this locker room or whatever. And I'm telling them, I'm like, this not going to get y'all to win. It's not going to happen. I should turn my mic on. I don't play that as, like, a, a backwards way to slam Aaron Rodgers and, you know, look at he can't, you know, succeed away from the Packers. He blew out his Achilles. I want to know what this last season looks like if he never gets hurt. So I, I think there are, there are, you know, there are bullet points. There are takes you can have about Aaron Rodgers, critically, that I think are fair. But he was far from the be- the Jets' biggest issue this year, right? We can agree with that. He was far from the biggest issue surrounding the New York Jets. There are serious championship organizations, and then there are losing organizations. The NFLPA, the report cards came out today where they have the the members or the players vote on, you know, the facilities of each team, uh, the food that they're like all of the things that the, that the team provides, right? What do you think of the coach? What do you think of the, you know, the way, strength facilities, the strength training, the rehab, how big are the hot tubs? Like, yeah, just tell us about your experience and they come out in a report card. There's really no surprises. Like, oh yeah, the teams you'd expect to be at the top or at the top teams you'd expect to be at the bottom or at the bottom, all the information tracks. There are serious championship organizations, and then there are losing organizations, right? This is how the NFL works. And I say organizations, not teams. I don't say teams. There's championship teams, and then there's losing teams. No, 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 no. Organizations. Because it's everybody. It's the owner. It's the GM. It's the scouts. It's the personnel department. It's the training staff. It's the coaches. I was listening to John Middlecoff, who has a podcast now on Colin Cowherd's network, The Volume. And he comes on with Colin like once or twice a week throughout the football season. I think they do a show together every Sunday night, but I don't remember how old this pod. It was within the last week they recorded something and Middlecoff was talking about Green Bay and his experience. He used to be a scout with the Eagles and, you know, he worked around the league and now he, you know, consults maybe a little bit, but does podcast as media stuff. And he was talking about how Green Bay, like everything is connected going all the way back to Ron Wolf. They've preached and they've taught the same things 
and they've gone about their business the same way and they've used the same strategies and the same philosophies for years. And that information is passed from one GM to the next. That GM came up in the organization, learned in the organization, right? Found their way through the organization. The connective tissue between one GM to the next, one scout to the next, right? right? One player personnel person to the next. It's all connected. It's been a it's been a lineage. There, there's been no there's been no disconnects. There's been no upheaval. It's it's been the Green Bay Packers for decades. They found what works in the early '90s with Ron Wolf, and they've stuck with it. And they're so 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 good at what they do. They're a championship organization because of that, right? There's there's levels to this. There's levels to organizations in the NFL. There seems like the Jets, who are dysfunctional. And they're unserious. Do you see, by the way, Deion Dawkins, the defensive lineman for the Bills, what he said the other day? He's like, yeah, I hate the Jets so much. There's so many guys on that team. They, they don't love football. They like being famous, and they like posting pictures on Instagram. Deeply unserious team, right? And did you notice? The moment that they got a quarterback, and the moment that they got a little hope that maybe they'd be a serious, legit contender this year, they started talking. Talk, 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 talk. Started feeling themselves, started talking smack, started talking about, and Rodgers is a part of this, right? And, and I don't really even fully blame Rodgers for it because he's supposed to get the rest of the locker room to believe that they can be contenders, and he's supposed to be part of changing the organizational mindset, so he's got to say those things. I don't know that he had to go as far as he did where he's like, man, that Lombardi trophy looks a little lonely. Yeah, so did the, so did the Lombardi trophy you won in 2010. It sat alone for the next 12 years while you and the, and the rest of the Packers effed it up in NFC championship games. But he goes to New York and instantly loud, noisy, and hard knocks is there. That's not totally, you know, within their control, but really, really, really that loud noise. Talk, 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 talk. Deeply unserious team, right? So there's dysfunctional teams like the Jets. Then there are teams that win some. And I think current examples of this type of team would be the Bills or the Bengals or the Rams, They're having a nice little run. Maybe they drafted a good quarterback, or in the case of the Rams, they got a great coach, and they go four or five years, maybe you win a Super Bowl, maybe make a Super Bowl, a couple deep playoff runs. Million-dollar question for teams like this, can you sustain? Can you sustain roster turnover? Can you sustain losing a coordinator? Can you sustain having to let a really good wide receiver go? Uh, Can you sustain... You know, missing on a couple of draft picks, having a down draft. Can you sustain salary cap issues? Can you sustain not having a lot of money to spend? Can you sustain through horrible playoff losses? That's a biggie. That's a huge. Seattle couldn't do it. That Super Bowl loss in 2015 killed them. Killed the Pete Carroll, Russell Wilson, Seahawks as we knew it. Killed it. They were never the same. Right? The Packers, for as much as we want to complain about their playoff losses, 2014 didn't kill them. They went to three more NFC Championship games after that. They had really good chances to make the Super Bowl. But there are teams, I think of the Bills, the Bengals, the Rams, and I brought this up with the Bengals. How are you going to move into phase two when you can't pay T. Higgins and when you don't have a lot of cap space to spend on the defense? And Joe Burrow kind of now has to hang out while the team ushers in the next era of players. We're going from phase one to phase two. Bills doing the same. The Rams have actually done a great job going from phase one to phase two. Well, now, whether that's phase one with Jared Goff to phase two with Matthew Stafford or phase one with Matthew Stafford to now phase two, the Rams are legit contenders this year. I have a lot of Rams stock. There are teams that win some, the Bills, Bengals, Rams, and we're going to see how long they can sustain it. And then there are teams like the Packers and the Patriots, where it's like, oh yeah, you're a Super Bowl contender every year. 
indefinitely. That's nearly impossible to do. And the organizational organization that you need, right? The the way that you need the GM and the scouts and the head coaches and the finance people and the player personnel people to all stick to the script and follow the game plan and follow the mission and all work hand in hand and make tough decisions and stay the course even when fans aren't happy and stay the course even when, you know, media voices around the league aren't happy. That's so hard to do. The Chiefs are doing it right now. The Packers did it for a long time. The Patriots did it for a long time. But the Patriots couldn't sustain losing Brady. The Packers went from Favre to Rodgers now to Jordan Love. And I don't think Jordan Love's going to be as good as either one of those guys. But he looks like a guy who could play in this league for a while. And that's more than the Saints have been able to swing. That's more than, right, the Patriots have been able to swing. The Patriots got crushed in this report card survey that came out through the PA today. They got crushed. Head coach sucks. Doesn't listen to us. Facilities stink. The cafeteria stinks. Travel stinks. The weight room stinks. Everything stinks. Everything stinks. It's so hard to do what the Packers have done. And anytime I listen to a player talk about a a dysfunctional team like the Jets, I'm just reminded there are serious championship organizations and then there are losing organizations. And there are reasons that serious championship contenders stay contending and there are reasons that losing organizations stay losing. And we're getting just reason after reason after reason, day after day after day with the New York Jets. And it almost seems like Joe Douglas knows that. When he spoke at the podium today at the combine, he's like, oh, Jesus, age. Yeah, you can see it in his face. He's like, this sucks. 608-321-1670. Thank you so much for waiting on hold. Wisco Sports Show, who's this? Eric on I-90. Eric on I-90. I had to cut you off at the end of last night's show. I'm sorry about that, friend. That's all right. No problem. Did you just compare the Green Bay Packers Super Bowl run to the New England Patriots? No, run of contention. Not Super Bowls. They didn't stack rings. But... The Packers, the Packers are Patriot-like in that for basically 30 years, they've been Super Bowl or bust every year. That's really hard. That's really hard to do. I don't, I don't know about that, but that's okay. That's fine. That's okay. Do you get kind of what I'm saying? Like the, the, the Packers never bottomed out. They never <laughs> fell off. They didn't win the rings that the Patriots did. They also played in a tougher conference for a long time. And, you know, we talk about this, that, the other thing, but there, there are very few teams right. that have done... Right that for that long right kept a a championship window open for that long whether you win championships that's different the Packers got one ring right but to keep the window open for that long and to stay contending that's what I'm saying well I think you should listen to Colin Collard and it has something to do with the quarterback yes totally 100% except you know now if we're going to compare the Packers and the Patriots the Patriots they've looked helpless the day the day that Tom Brady walked out the door it started falling apart the Packers lost Aaron Rodgers this offseason, and they got better, right? Or, or a team like the Saints. They had Drew Brees forever, and they're still reeling, trying to figure out what they're going to do post-Brees. The Packers, they just keep on chugging. Well, I think the Packers got better than they were last year, but, boy, you got to go to a lot of NFC championships to beat Aaron Rodgers. <laughs> you, hey, by hey, Jordan Love, you got to lose in a lot of NFC championship games if you want to match his you've legacy. Gotta, <laughs> you've got to make it to a lot of NFC championship games. Yeah. That's the point I was going to make yesterday is that Green Bay Packer fans will not, they will not, I think a lot of your losses were Aaron Rodgers couldn't close out the game. Yeah, you started to say that. Couldn't close out a lead or couldn't come back after falling behind. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Right, and we won't, and you you guys just will not 
It took you a long time to cross over to that step where Aaron Rodgers was the problem. And he was. Right? Yeah. He was the cure. But the cure, you know, had had its side effects. He was both a poison and an antidote. Yeah. Right? Like, I'll, I'll give you an example, all right? And it's, it's listen, I, I think this guy's a great quarterback. I think he's got a great future. And he's your quarterback. But I have never once heard one person on this entire program, on all the sports radio I listen to, ask why a guy would throw a ball off his back foot back across the field on first down in a divisional playoff game. I've never heard that asked one time. I just, I, that I just, may have I, been the stupidest. That may have been the stupidest throw I've ever seen. I, I see throws like that all the time. Favre did it. Favre literally did it for your team, Eric. I don't know. Quarterbacks get caught up in the heat of battle, and they're just they they um, inhibition goes out the window. Right. So you don't think that that was a bad move? No, it was a terrible throw. It was, his, it was the worst decision he made all season. Because I mean, he didn't really lose the game for you. I, I'm not going to say that, but he he sure took away any chances. You know, he sure took away any chances you were going to have a win. He had right? chances to win the game and couldn't do it. To say that he lost them the game, I right. think, would be inaccurate, yes. No, 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 I'm not saying he lost And I, And I know you're not. I'm just, I'm just as, as the host here, I'm just, I'm making sure our narratives stay right. aligned and we stay right. clear on what's being said. Yes, yes. It's like, it's like, I can't remember who said that. I can't remember who he was. They said when you kill a guy, you're not only taking everything he has, you're taking everything he's ever going to have. So, That's, I suppose, wow, damn. Right? I don't know, and... and so it was just a, it was just a little, uh, what we're about for. Something I noticed: you will not blame that quarterback for that loss, and you shouldn't in this case. But Aaron Rodgers has got a lot of them that he could have won that game. There's a, there's a lot of playoff games through the years, same situations. Like Rodgers didn't lose the game, but he didn't do enough to win it. Right. Right, that's 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 what I'm trying to say. Gotcha. And I don't think things could get any brighter for you guys in Green Bay. It's sickening to listen to. It, can, it can't it's, get any brighter. It's sickening. Listen, somebody, I, I said this on the morning show, somebody could forget to flush the toilet at 1265 Lombardi Avenue, and they would go in and look at that and go, that's really disgusting. But I think it bodes well for next year. <laughs> Um, <laughs> That's, yeah, I think it looks great. Yeah. You know, the what? only thing we know about this crap in the toilet is that we know Watson didn't drop it because he'd have pulled a hammy <laughs> dropping that much. He'd be laying so, on the floor. He'd still be here. <laughs> yeah. He'd be hurt. What is your, what is your, uh, what's your fascination then? And uh, with Watson, the guy just has not delivered anything. When he's been healthy, he's been awesome. You that that one ball that he dropped has against the Vikings been, has established your entire narrative and point of view on this guy. No, no, no. I don't think so. Mm. I think he's had a lot of interceptions against him. That's true. Um, you know, and you were talking about you don't want to brand a guy a number one wide receiver, but it's really hard on some teams. To not say that's the number one receiver, right? Mm-hmm. In Minnesota, you've got to call Justin Jefferson the number one wide receiver. Yeah. Because he clearly is. Number yeah. one wide receivers can grow out of a group of people. Totally. And that may happen now for Green Bay. You may actually find a number one wide receiver. 
just because he gets open more than another guy. I think Watson can be that guy because he's just got skills and he's got the size and the speed and capability of oh, making plays that those guys don't. I think, oh. I think you got to give up on him. I do. No, I think your no, other guys no, are better. No. I just think your other guys are better. Well, that would be a good problem to have, I guess, because the other guys would have to be. Look, I think if Watson is healthy, he's special. I think that's how it works. That's how this goes. Okay. Well, we'll we'll revisit. You will revisit. I got to run, Eric, because I got to get one more break. And anything else? You got about 20 seconds. I can't cover it all in 20 seconds. (laughs) All right. We'll we'll revisit sometime. Have a good night, buddy. Yeah. Eric on I-90. Let's take our final break. We'll wrap up the Wisco Sports Show next. This is the Wisco Sports Show with Grant Bills on the Wisconsin Sports Zone Radio Network. Wisco Sports Show. Just a few moments to wrap up tomorrow. We'll do more Brewers stuff. Some great comments from Pat Murphy that I want to talk about. Go over. As there's a couple days away, I'm going to be hightailing it down to spring training. I'm going to do some high-level journalism next week. No Bucks, no Badgers tonight. I need a long break from the Badgers. I might need like a six-month vacation from Badgers basketball. Have an awesome night. Be back tomorrow at 4. Talk to you then. I can't get no relief.